Welcome to episode 146 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you could have found me being a complete killjoy over the weekend at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where can we find you talking about the uh, the ongoing vote counting, Chris? <laughs> I'm not talking about ongoing vote counting at CD Villasenor. Good for you. I just, I'm just, I'm just ready to move on. <laughs> I think a lot of us are. But not the not the big man. He'll hold on for dear life. You know, I mean, it's it's very on brand. So oh, let's just let's just you know, as long as as long as I can just move on, I think that's the best. That's oh, the we, best policy. Here. We discussed this last week. There was no yeah. chance that this wasn't going to happen. No. Sorry for using the double negative, but that's this was this was always the thing that was going to happen. Right. And as long as he can get people to send him checks, he's going to keep doing it. Why wouldn't he? Well, by the time you're listening to this, the Masters will have teed it up for the first time ever in November, so we're going to bring those two things together with a dash of made-up movies this week. In segment one, we'll examine the top Thanksgiving sides in each of these 50 states, and I think we might need to file some lawsuits. In segment two, we're going to revisit the plot shop and hear about Chris's plan for 17 million mink. And finally, with the Masters in play and every player counting every stroke, we're going to discuss friend of the pod Alex Myers' recent article cataloging the reasonable man's rules of golf. Beyond the buzzer, we'll pause for Dad Jokes of the Week before heading to the OT, where I didn't write the right thing in the introduction because I'm an idiot, and we are going to talk about the Masters in general. So good thing I was ready to uh, think on my feet there. Great job, Ty. Interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod, or hit us up via email at 2on3pod.com. You know how much we love to hear from you. But before we get to that, Chris, I have to ask you, did you dance in the streets at any time in the last five days? Dance in the I did not. I'm not. I'm not one to dance. Oh wait a minute. When was when was Halloween? Because I did a bit of Thriller in my driveway during Halloween. Well, I wasn't really talking about Halloween. That was <laughs> that was Friday night. <laughs> okay, then but no. That I was thought. that was two Fridays ago. <laughs> Believe it or not, I generally don't dance in the streets for. I don't know what kind of occasion would would uh, would cause me to dance in the streets. But this, I mean, I'm just not that kind of a person. Not during a deadly pandemic. <laughs> Well, you can, there's lots of things you can do outside. I mean, I don't begrudge people for dancing in the streets as long as they maintain some sort of distance. <laughs> they weren't doing a great job of that. But, you know, it's funny. I didn't say this on the Internet, but there's a lot of, of course, consternation from the folks that aren't doing any of the dancing about, well, how come this is acceptable? And then, you know, you can dance in the streets and you can protest and such and such, but you can't, you know, nothing else is OK. And part of me wants to say, well... Have you considered that perhaps the people that would join in a protest or potentially dance in the streets due to a political uh, event might have already been really good about observing the rules and such and such be creating a lower risk group because they were already like on board with the restrictions prior to breaking them or they're just willing to risk it. I mean, which is which is I mean, which is to say, hey, this is more important. I'm just going to go do this. Instead, right. I mean, and that's a that's a that's an adult choice to make. You could just say, "Hey, I risk it by doing these things." I get it, and so whatever happens, happens. But I mean, now do you want to talk about whether or not college football players should be playing football for free? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a that one's more difficult. But again, I you know again, what what young people do is is all about taking on risk and I did it when I was a young person. I took on risk that unnecessarily I 
just for because I wanted to do certain things. But uh, yeah, this, it's a tough one. It's a it's a it's a tough thing to to sort of suss out. I don't. Know, I feel like most of those guys want to play football, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, in the '90s, people wanted to have bareback sex, and they did. They did that anyway. They sure. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> they absolutely did. So, you know, here we go. I mean, that's just like you said. People. People are. People make decisions. It's just now, if you want to attack the organization for sort of just throwing up their hands and saying, "Well, if you want to play, you can play as long as it, you know," because I know it makes me money. I mean, that's this is the this that's that's maybe more of a discussion, but it's not a surprise to me that individuals would take on risk because they want to pursue something, either a protest, social justice, or football. I mean, it doesn't that doesn't shock me. But when you get out to the organizational. When right. you when you pull it back to the organizational level, it becomes it it gets a little it gets a little fuzzy, it gets a little a lot fuzzier. Yeah, sure. I don't think I need to expand my thoughts on exploitation of labor. I think we've covered that yeah. probably more ad nauseum at this point. <laughs> For sure. So, are you still on the bag? I knew you were doing some uh, some golf tournaments again uh, with your daughter. Are you? Are yeah. you still are you still looping for her or how's no. that going? No. So today I actually got to play alongside her. This is the one time of the year where the Washington State Junior Golf Association has a scramble, a turkey scramble, where you can play with your child. So um, my neighbor, my neighbor Dave, neighbor Dave, okay, plays with plays with my son, and I play with my daughter. And so um, last year we were going to do this, but I hurt myself and I couldn't play. So this year I'm playing. So this year I played. So this is the second time we've played, and and we have this thing where it's like we just need to break par as a scramble duo. Okay. And 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 this year we had we had five birdies, but we also had five we had four, we had three bogeys and a double. How do you get a double at a scramble tournament? It's don't tough. A, don't ask. But she she currently wants to fire me <laughs> as her as her scramble partner. But but I don't want to get fired. Like so, here's the deal. I don't, I don't get a chance. She to wants play. Dave. No, she wants to play with one of her friends, who's okay. a, a high level junior golfer. But my sense is that this is the one chance I have to play with her in a competitive mm-hmm. arena. We get to compete as a team, and you know we're probably not going to win because the winning score is like minus seven or minus eight. And I don't know if we can pull minus seven or minus eight. She could certainly pull minus five or minus six with the right partner. Yeah, that isn't me. If I, but I, I just didn't play. Well, I'm just, but I'm just enjoying it so much that I don't want to give it up. I don't want to. So she wants to fire me next year. I don't think I'm gonna let her. I'm gonna make her play with me. She's gonna have her whole the whole rest of her life to play with someone else. Seriously, I mean, and there are plenty of events like there's a state best ball that she can play in with one of her friends and all this stuff. But the turkey, the the one day turkey shoot where you basically donate a turkey. Okay. You you pay a small you 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 pay a small fee then you donate a turkey and then your team gets to play. Well, it didn't help that my son and neighbor Dave shot minus six today. <laughs> <laughs> neighbor Dave made every putt he looked at. Six feet, twenty six feet. It was just he was filled it up from everywhere. It was just disgusting. That's everything. But the uh, but so they they played well. That didn't help my cause. <laughs> in terms of in terms of hanging on to to my position in this in this event but i figured you know she's only got a couple more years of high school then she's gone i mean i only have to she's only got to deal with me two more times so she should just deal with me 
and just just play golf with your dad once a year in this in this goofy event that doesn't have any sort of junior ranking points associated with or anything. Just play the goddamn turkey scra- shoot scramble with your dad. You're gonna is have to resort mu- to it, you're hurting my heart. Is it too much to ask? She doesn't I don't know. Care. Sounds, I mean, you're making me. I'm getting like verklempt on, on your behalf, like right. that, that she's treating you. In such a shabby fashion. You're breaking my heart, kid. It's like yeah. it's, you know how much time and effort I put into this shit. Right. <laughs> Do you know how much support I have given you since you were seven years old to make you, you know, to help you become this this golfing legend? <laughs> and now she's and now she wants to be done with me. I'm not gonna let her go. I'm I'm gonna say you're you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me in this event for the next two years. Just suck it up. We'll break par. We we shot even par this year. And obviously, that can be a hard pill to swallow in a scramble situation. Yes, it, and but here, yeah, but I tell you, what, I'll, I'll play better. I'll play better next year. I promise. It's going to be like begging. I'm the one who does the registrations and paying for this event. Yeah. So she's stuck with me. She's just well, gonna that's just tell her that I've played in a four man scramble where everyone was like better than a 15 handicap, and we shot like plus two as a group. So <laughs> <laughs> it could, it could be worse. Yes, it could be, but. I just think she she can't get rid of me. I will not. I'm not giving up this event. Forget it. That's it. All right. Well, you ready to get started with the show? Let's do it. Segment number one. All right. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Two weeks to the day that you'll be listening to this. And uh, an interesting map was circulating as we, you know, these are my favorite things for us to break down is the, the, the map of all of the 50 states and their favorite whatever uh, topic that we're discussing. And it, that is Thanksgiving sides tonight. Now, I hope you're celebrating your Thanksgiving alone and not with other people because if you... <laughs> well, not, not alone, but let me be with your family. I don't, I don't think we want people spending their holiday day by themselves. I'm skipping the whole thing. What is Thanksgiving anyway? Who cares? <laughs> you're supposed to give thanks. Who gives a sheet about Thanksgiving anyway? <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, I hear you. I... I Look, I, I'm. It's hard to. It's a tough year to give thanks. Uh, there, you know. But uh, I just, the uncontrolled spread factor is starting to wear wear on my nerves. So, but you, um, but you're gonna have like your family's gonna like cobble together some sort of some sort of Thanksgiving esque meal on Thanksgiving Day, right? You're gonna, uh, you're gonna, we'll you're gonna shoot for something. We'll you're see. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I, like I said, I think I said it before. I'm kind of looking forward to just skipping the holidays altogether this year. Not like not anything, whatever. I, bottom line is, I'm, I, I I could take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the the cool parts of Thanksgiving have gone away for me because I have to do all the cooking now. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> I like to do one thing and bring it along. But yeah, anyway, uh, on topic, we have a map here of the 50 states and uh, and and their supposed favorite thanksgiving sides i don't have the sourcing for this one so we're just gonna have to take it on faith now there's some obvious stuff here a uh, lot of green bean casserole I'm a, I'm a fan of the green bean casserole you really have to do it correctly um i, I think they think we've talked before about thanksgiving is not a time to experiment people want to like you know fuck around and get creative no right. uh, they've watched we, too much food network and decide they want to do something like no. crazy like forget it don't do that if your side dish doesn't taste like salt you did it wrong <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's what we're going for here. Got it. Um, and then mashed potatoes, which I was surprised at how many states picked mashed potatoes. To me, mashed potatoes are the the ultimate sort of, I don't need that. 
uh, it, it's just there. Like, if there's anything left on my plate when I'm done eating, it's it's going to be some portion of potatoes. Really, mashed potatoes? Are, you, I mean, it's, it's fine. They're fine. They have. They're they're a necessary part of the meal. Eh. I think. So. <laughs> well, so here. I'm not get, a child. Have, I don't need to make the volcano. I don't. Have, <laughs> I know it's you have the you have the you have the stuffing, which I don't see a lot of. I don't see a lot of stuffing, like. Corn, I see cornbread stuffing. Louisiana stood up for stuffing. Yes, I mean stuffing popular in the Northeast. So we've got I, some Rhode Island stuffing, New Jersey stuffing, Pennsylvania, right. New York. That to Vermont. me is like the, I don't eat stuffing any time of the year other than Thanksgiving Day. So I would no. say, as a in terms of a popular Thanksgiving side, certainly I'd eat mashed potatoes along the way. Like they show up in my on my plate throughout the year. But yes. it's, I don't consider it a Thanksgiving side. Like I think I think of stuffing definitely as a Thanksgiving side. I think of like cranberries. Did cran who did anyone come up with cranberries? Uh New Hampshire. Well, the, the only, only state that goes with cranberry. Like as their favorite. This makes this makes that makes total sense to me that that cranberries show would might show up more because like who nobody eats cranberries any other time of the year. Nobody just says, I need some of that cranberry. I need no. some of that cranberry business. Like <laughs> In in May, like nobody's nobody's, you don't go to like a like a like a potluck and somebody cranks out the cranberries and you're like, what are you? Why are you to bring? Why would you bring this? They have a UTI, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to flush that out. I don't think that eating the cranberries does it. Does it? I don't know. Helps you. <laughs> um, you know, I thought it was interesting too that Alabama's uh, is dressing, whereas like. No one else calls it. It's like is that that's a local? I think is that just a matter of saying it that way? Yeah, so it, yeah, cornbread stuffing versus dressing. Yeah, like dress. I mean, they call it I, dressing in the South, right? Yeah, because you dress I mean, but, the turkey with it. Right. It's stuffing, dressing. It's the same thing. It's funny that they chose both of those terms. Well, there is like a school of thought in parts of the country that sticking anything inside a disgusting <laughs> piece of uncooked poultry is maybe not the best way to cook something. They, I think that people have gone away from it. People have gone yeah. away from actually stuffing their bird. Yes. No, you make it on the side. <laughs> you gotta make it on the side now. The uh, yeah, that's that's not a good idea, people. Don't 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 do it unless you the only way to do it is to you can do it. It's just yeah. you have to you have to basically incinerate the entire turkey into a into a nothing into a Or ashes. you just have to, you know, decide that it's worth the risk. <laughs> <laughs> Salmonella, yeah, it'd be fine. I, you know, I think that I, so here's so bear with me on this preparation. I think that um, maybe you could just simply uh, spatchcock your turkey, which I be, I'm a big believer in spatchcocking that turkey. Do, do you are you familiar with the spatchcock? I, I just think like, that I did I just, at one point know what it was. But I just I don't. like I just like saying the word. I know you do. I can tell. <laughs> you just cut the back out of it the backbone and then you just flatten the whole turkey you just crank it open to where it's okay. now it's flat and uh it cooks a lot better mm. it cooks a lot faster it cooks a little much more evenly and you don't have to worry about it but if you spatchcock your turkey and you put it maybe on a rack you could let that thing drip into a pan of stuffing mm-hmm. so your stuffing would get cooked and heated properly and would get right. all the all the good goodness from the from the cooking bird that yeah, you, that you desire in your in your stuffing. So may, I might try the double decker. I might try the double deck if I if I were to cook a turkey, which I'm not going to commit to right now. <laughs> I might try the spatchcock double decker drip into my into my uh, into my uh, 
dressing slash stuffing. <laughs> okay. So spatchcock <laughs> dripping stuffing available now at the leavings. That's <laughs> very much a leavings. Yeah. Very much a leavings kind of thing. So a couple things stand out to me that I wanted to call out. One, I got to – so I was going to say, when you were talking about cranberry, that to me, your favorite side needs to be something that perhaps you'll have a plate of all by itself the next day, right? Oh, or, or okay. Like, your fa- to me, like, that's like, – so cranberry, it's hard – how can they be the favorite? Because yeah. it's just kind of there. Like, I like it. You know, I was like, mix it in. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like saying ketchup is your favorite side dish. It's right. just it's – it's, it's not a standalone offer. Correct. But then I really respect the states that have just selected gravy. So we have Wyoming has brown gravy, Arkansas with white gravy. Now, is that country gravy? Is that what we're talking about? Like biscuits and gravy? Like, that's the only thing I can think of that would be white gravy. Would you prepare white gravy for, I don't know. I like, don't even know what white gravy is if it's that's, not country that's, gravy. That would be. That would be country gravy, the white so, gravy. I feel like I need to incorporate country gravy into my <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. This seems like a good idea. Like sausage, like sausage-infused country gravy. Sure. As opposed to, just try to roll that out at your holiday meal. And people will be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, what is this? I'd make brown gravy too. That's no, the thing, I if would, you're going to get creative. I would, no, no, I wouldn't make the brown gravy at all. i just serve the white gravy. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and watch people freak out. And then Hawaii with turkey gravy, specifically. Seems, turkey gravy seems to me like brown gravy. Because don't you use the, you, you'd use the pan drippings anyway. It depends to make on what gravy. you're doing. Yeah. Now, uh, also, I want to call out the states that um, rolls were selected. Like, you just picked bread? So, we have uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, Utah, which, you know, makes sense. And then, uh, I guess, and then in, in uh, West Virginia. And then in South Dakota, specifically, crescent rolls. So, not even homemade oh, rolls, dude, but... Crescent but, rolls. Crescent rolls for Thanksgiving are the bomb. Sure. But, I, it's just, it seems... Uh, uh, you're gonna buy the, the the tube, and that's what you're gonna serve. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes. All right. All right. I mean, now, Oregon has biscuits. Yes, which I also thought was odd. Yeah. Can we get Can we get verification from Matt that biscuits are the the preferred the favorite side of Oregon? Yes. Anyone from Oregon that might listen to the show, just tell us ch- about just biscuits. chime in. Just chime in. Tell, tell us about how you clap your biscuits on Thanksgiving. You're right. <laughs> on, uh, of course, really? Iowa's got corn. Sure. But then we've got uh, Kansas with cream corn. Gross. I like, I like cream corn. <laughs> oh, God. You just... <laughs> That's a Midwest thing for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then what is going on in Indiana? They're serving deviled eggs all over the state of Indiana at Thanksgiving. I- I love deviled eggs. Like, so do I. Every but, time I walk by the in the supermarket, when I walk by that one case that has the deviled eggs in it, like the big platter, mm-hmm. I I want to buy them and eat them f- during the football game. Like like, you know, twenty four deviled eggs. I want to eat the whole dozen. Sure. No, I they're mean, hard to stop eating. Oh, they're I well mean, prepared. I I mean, maybe they're onto something in Indiana. I think I'd I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to understand that better. I'd like All maybe right. I'm going to serve deviled eggs at my Thanksgiving. <laughs> a couple more things to mention as we run up against the timer here. All right. Um, I Alaska, which where I lived for mm-hmm. a number of years, this hash brown casserole, which is a thing I've never even heard of. You okay. tell me you are you're aware of what this is. So I'm I am aware I am aware of the Cracker Barrel offering of hash brown casserole. It sounds pretty good. 
Sounds now. it sounds it's a solid thing. Now now because I'm Jewish <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I have uh, there's a lot of shredded potato action in the Jewish on the Jewish menu. One being um one being um you know um latkes, which uh-huh. are basically just hash brown pancakes. Right. They're good. Which are awesome. Mm-hmm. And then they make thing called kugel. And you can make kugel with noodles. Or you can make it with shredded potatoes, which is essentially just a casserole. But it's not the cheesy, cheese-infused Midwest casserole. But I'm familiar with that form of serving a casserole made of shredded potatoes, which is terrific. It's a nice way to get your potato in you. Is it meaningfully different than, say, the tater tot hot dish that you might come across in in a Minnesota? (laughs) Like tachos? (laughs) Well, not quite tachos, but... I mean, you know, like we call casserole hot dish, right? Yeah. Uh, upper Midwest. <laughs> I don't think I've ever called it hot dish. You never, but you never heard that? That's a that's a that's a Wisconsin. That's a Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've maybe never, a little Illinois. No, I've never I've never heard it called hot dish, but I like oh. it. <laughs> okay. Well, the last very last thing I want to mention is what's now going to be a coming recurring segment. What the fuck is going on in Maine? Because <laughs> Maine has selected side salad as their favorite Thanksgiving side dish. All right. So anytime I come across one of these kind of things, I always throw out the most ridiculous edges of it, right? You got to throw out the high and the low and take the average. This is obviously one you could just discard like side salad. Nobody, nobody's favorite side is side salad ever. Like under no circumstances is the side salad the best part of your meal, the favorite part of your meal. There's, there's no way unless the only thing you're being served is, like, a you know a plate of concrete gravel and side salad, and then you would say, oh, side salad's obviously my favorite part of this meal. It's just, it's, no, no. I just love the vision of Mainers walking around, with like, oh, Thanksgiving's coming, can't wait to have that side salad, <laughs> right? <laughs> With some, th- with some Thousand Island on it, yeah. some horseshit. <laughs> like, come on! You guys not eating like green salad at any other part time of the year? That Thanksgiving specialty we all know and love, side salad. Oh, Jesus, this is terrible. All right, well that's it for Thanksgiving sides. Let's go back to the plot shop. This sign means that is the beginning to our plot shop, ladies and gentlemen. We are finally opening up our own plot shop. All right, so I uh, tweeted in the middle of the election coverage. I, I retweeted a story about Denmark planning to um, cull 17 million mink, as in the animal, um, because they discovered a mutated form of coronavirus that, uh, so the, the mink can catch the virus from humans. They are a, I guess, a, an ideal host for genetic mutation of the virus, and they can then pass that mutated virus back to humans and in order to support the worldwide efficacy of the vaccines that we're all trying to develop and when i say we because you know you and i busting our ass making the vaccine sure uh they want to make sure that they don't put the efficacy of those vaccines at risk i mean shout out to denmark for you know looking out for others um it'd be great if some people could take a note on how that works sure sure um but this is supposed to be a fun segment so i tweeted that I was just mortified by seeing the fact that, oh, hey, this is, you know, this coronavirus thing is it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Plus, they're going to kill all these mink, which is like this double-edged sword for, sword for animal rights activists. This right. is like, okay, so you're going to shut down the mink business, but you're going to do it by murdering all the mink. Right. 
it is a it is a bit of a double edged sword. I think. So you folks. mentioned that you had a, a movie idea about this. <laughs> I immediately had a movie idea Perfect. about the mink. So take us to the plot shop. All right. So in reading this whole thing, there was a couple, there was an article that I saw where it's this young man whose whose family has been in the mink business for generations. That's, okay. that's what they've been doing. And he's like, well, we're, we're finished. Our, our, family, our family business is done. Like, we've been mink farmers for since time immemorial, and now we are not. And, I, and, I'm, and it, it was very sad for him. So I thought to myself, 17 million mink is a lot. That's a lot, a lot of, of mink. That's a lot of, that's a lot of mink. And I was a little bit shocked that there was a market for mink in the world still but i guess there is so the um so i thought to myself okay what if all the mink farmers who love these minks so much instead of murdering all 17 million of them just release them all said we won't do it we -hmm. are going to release the mink into the wild with the (laughs) mutated with the mutated with the mutated virus okay yeah all right so here, so here, so now we jump into our plot shop. You know, 2020, they released right. the mink. Okay, so the mink then have this this mutated virus, and they start obviously minks are hunters, and so they start killing all the rodents, then all the farm animals, and then they start attacking all of the all of the you know they start attacking the population, and it becomes a real problem for the world, and in a and. And now Europe has to like completely cordon off Denmark. <laughs> Denmark is now overrun with diseased, diseased-ridden mink. All right, so a bit of a twenty-eight days later situation. Can, yes, but but what happens? What they're trying, to, what they're discovering is the mink are as they're eating and like taking over Denmark are getting smart. Okay. They they're 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 doing things that are unexpected, things that mink wouldn't might not do in the wild. Okay, like how intense are we talking? Like they're, hind leg walking? No, they're just typing. They're just, they're just tactically they're doing things that are like they think the mink are going to do this, but the mink really do this. So they okay. they're 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 learning coordinated group hunting type they're, things. Yes, and so okay. but they're killing all the people. They they've pretty much sussed all the people out of there, and Europe has cordoned off Denmark entirely. And so they've dug a trench, built a wall, whatever you want to. So it's 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 now it's now mink land. And no one can go there because, you know, people who try to go there end up never coming back. Okay. So now it's become this overgrown wasteland of, of mink infestation. Right? Okay. I'm with you. Okay. So, on to our next plot. That's the setup. Okay. The plot now is the royal family of England is going on vacation. And they're flying in a private jet which is forced to ditch in Denmark. <laughs> okay. And in res- in pulling them to rescue, they have to they 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 uh, they pull a plucky biologist who's been studying this for the for the last 10 years, played by Daisy Ridley. Okay, I like it. And she should work more. She should work more. And they need of course a military team to escort her in. Daniel Craig? No. Oh. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Now, see, here's the thing. I was watching Dark Faith the other day, and I think Arnold has another action movie. He's got at least one really he, good action movie left in him. Can't really move. He doesn't have... He has to ride around in a Jeep, and he has to get out and shoot some things every now and again. We're not going to make him run. 
Okay. We're not going to make him do stuff. But I need Arnold because I need to make I need to write Arnold jokes. Okay. Like like things like Oh, about the mink. We are going to Yes. There's a million jokes to make, but my favorite joke that I imagined in my head was we are going to Copenhagen to snuff them out. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. So this is so we get Arnold smoking cigar smoking Arnold and I thought to myself, you know who he should be? He should be retired Colonel John Matrix. Oh, all right. Right? Because that way we can get like after they come get him saying, "We need you to do this because you understood the Cold War. I know you did some stuff in Denmark." <laughs> I don't know. We're making this up. <laughs> then we could get Alyssa Milano, his daughter, to like talk to him and say, "Dad, you can't. You were you're old and shitty and broke down. I mean, you're not the commander. You're not the Colonel John Matrix that we knew. Uh-huh. You have no chance. You're gonna die." And he's of course he's gonna say, "No, I can do it." Like you know, uh, you know, right? Yeah. So so we're sending Colonel John Matrix and Daisy Ridley and a team of and a team of, you know, intrepid badasses mm-hmm. into Denmark. Into into mink infested Denmark to rescue the royal family. Okay. Do you have an idea? Do you have a title for this movie? No. <laughs> we can think of one. But I was so just trying to think of the plot. Anyway, fast forward. You know, they of course they land there. Shit goes horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that the mink now are like this collective consciousness. I and like remember, it. And yeah, remember, remember the remember the totally remember the fearsome thought of ten thousand rats. Yes. Well, now think of in the in the heart of Copenhagen, like a big underground cavern that they've created, but like like hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of mink sort of like all sort of rolling around in this giant collective consciousness that controls all the other mink. So the mink have gotten intelligent, but they are controlled by this giant writhing ball of a million mink living in this underground cavern in Copenhagen. So so mink mate once a year only. So that's okay. that's unfortunate because I was hoping that I'd find that it was like exponential, right? Um, gestation period of forty to seventy-five days with eight babies. So in one revision, like I say, if let's say there was, they could multiply by eight. So you could go from seventeen million to um, nearly a hundred, over a hundred million. Uh, well, yeah, it's like one hundred thirty-four million plus the original seventeen. Right. So yeah, you have one hundred fifty million mink by the right. time they get there. Yeah, but of course, as we're trying to like, oh, what if they're trying to beat the clock too? Like they know that the females are in heat, and like they right. they know that the mating has happened, and they have like four weeks to get there. Or yes. four... <laughs> of course, the world has tried to bomb them into and like poison them into like into extinction and all these other things, right? They've tried all these things, mm-hmm. and of course, none of it has worked. Um, there are survivors in Denmark who are taking care of the royal family, who have sort of. But of course, they have they have very little in the way of being able to get them out. So of course, Daisy Ridley and Arnold have to go in and extract them. But yes, the countdown is they're gonna they they figure out hey, we found where they are. We need to nuke them. Like they're they're below the ground, so they have to figure out how to either expose the collective consciousness of Mink. But they're gonna they 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 only have so many they only have so much time. The mink tricks. <laughs> <laughs> like, tr- 
trapper <laughs> trap something i don't know there's i i'll have to think about red title. coat mink i don't know <laughs> mink coat anywho that's a yeah that's my that's my movie that's my movie about uh the, the terrible the the terrible mink coronavirus in uh in uh, in denmark i'm into it i'm, I'm into it like I, I like i love the arnold thing uh it's a lot more that's a lot better than the straightforward sort of my suggestion of daniel craig um, I like the idea of Arnold and Daisy Ridley having to play off each other. I think that actually would work pretty well. I like the idea of the mink hive mind, and I'm seeing it as like basically a ball of mink crawling all over each other yes, in some yes. disgusting way. They reveal it, and they're just horrified. Totally disgusting. You could make yeah. that as disgu- absolutely as disgusting as you want. Yeah, I, I, I'm into it. I like the I like the setup. Um, yeah, they they like they're surviving. They're, they, you have you have sort of a plot to b plot, right? Yeah, where you have the royal family sort of trying to scrounge. To stay alive in the Sea of Mink. Sea of Mink. <laughs> sea of Mink. Sea of Mink. That's what we're calling it, Sea of Mink. Do you, do you know the mink joke? I only know one joke about mink. No, I don't know. Why does it take 100 mink to make a fur coat? Because they're lazy and they have small hands? <laughs> the, the job would come early. I, just, I, I had it handy. <laughs> All right, well, let us know what you think about Sea of Mink. <laughs> if you've got a better title, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, for sure. We would definitely want to hear uh, titles or any other casting or ideas you might have uh, to tack on. So, by all means. But to make this a Commando sequel is, like, I think my stroke of genius here. I'm I'm for all extended universe movies. <laughs> right. Like, reprising roles in a way, completely different context. I think that's that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. All right. Let's go to segment number three. All right, as I mentioned at the top of the show, by the time you're listening to this, the first players will have teed off for this year's Masters. Um, I'm personally excited, and I'm going to save this for the OT, where we'll talk about the the, the the tournament proper, but I am excited for sort of the, the fall agronomy and getting to see the course in a different set of conditions and see what it looks like when the trees aren't all blooming and the flowers aren't out. Like, what does that course look like the way it looks like when I play golf here in the fall? Like, you know, a little less lush. And, uh, of course, they'll have the... The grounds, um, yeah, the grounds look results. dialed as, as as far as I can tell. Everything looks pretty well dialed. Well, I took a day off today and, and played around a round of golf at just a local muni, and they had the heat, the greens have healed and been rolled. And I was like, I'll, I, I would do anything to be able to play golf on greens like this all the time. <laughs> like, and I know I'm boring our listeners, but to hit like an 18 foot putt that I feel like I'm I'm putting about nine feet of speed on on a regular like sort of standard green situation was just very enjoyable there was zero bobble on the ball when you yeah. hit it it was where'd just you summary. go where'd you go i just played at linwood yeah yeah just a quick we did the like first tea time playing at 30 playing in 38 degree weather to start the day <laughs> it, it was, was good it was cold this morning yeah i shot all right it's pretty good all right so uh but for segment three here we're going to talk about uh, again friend of the pot alex myers came on uh gosh a little more than a year ago now he published a uh, an article that basically talks a little bit more about how an average person plays so obviously there's a lot made of golf's self-governance and it's a game of honor and you don't you don't cheat um but i you know i mean especially around here we don't very we have very few months where you can really play the ball down and when i say play the ball down i mean play it as it lies and really not touch it or or improve your lie or clean it because it gets so mucky here and if you're playing basically and you'll be playing here in july and you'll see the course will have a sign that says play winner rules. Like that happens, right? <laughs> Especially if you play in the morning. Right. 
Um, and so we play a lot of winter rules, and I'm, I'm definitely, you know, hey, lift clean in place. That's um, that's my jam. If the ball's covered in, like, mud and stuff, I don't want to have, like, that. I want to just play golf. I don't want to, it's, I'm not going to be Bubba Watson, you know, right. complaining about mud balls while I'm just trying to shoot a friendly round with my buddies. Right. Sometimes golf just needs to be enjoyed, too. That's right. Most of the time, in fact. Right. For, for yeah, exactly. For, for most, for... 99% of all golfers, it should just be enjoyed. Yeah. Which I think is the basis behind this particular this particular uh, article. Yeah, and I'm going to say, uh, for the most part, if you're going to report your scores, um, then you should take that into account. You shouldn't overly, be overly generous to yourself if you're reporting scores and carrying a handicap. And if you're playing for money, you need to come to an agreement on any non-standard rules uh, as they happen. And you know, my friends and I do that all the time. Like, uh, we'll ask for relief, right? Like, hey, there's, mm-hmm. you know, normally, like, you find the green and there's some, like, unfortunate dead spot or, like, weird dip in it. And you say, like, well, sorry for you. But when we're playing with each other, it's like, can, you know, can I have relief, right? That's a pretty a pretty normal thing to ask. Yeah. So Alex put together 14 rules, and I'm going to run through them. I don't know that we're going to have a lot to say about every single one of them. Mostly I want to know whether or not you agreed or disagreed in oh. the spirit of the rule. Number one, play OB as a lateral hazard. My take on this, absolutely, on a weekend round, unless this is tournament golf, walk up to wherever your ball crossed the, the hazard line or the, the OB line and just take your drop and move on. Right. Now, this, is, this, this sort of straddles the line between people who want to report scores and not want to report scores. I think if you're a score reporter, if you want to keep a, 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 a handi- a, an actual handicap, mm-hmm. like you should have rounds where you do not do this. And I like agree. reporting rounds. And I don't think you need to report every round you play. I think you should, I, you know, I'm one of those people who said, okay, today is a, a scoring round. I'm going to go ahead and play OB is OB. Sure. And then, and those, and those are kind of scores you can report. I don't think you can, I don't think you can report scores and play like this. I, well, I think that if you, I think it is reasonable to hit a provisional. And if that's maybe also bad, you go up there, you take your drop, and you play it like that's your, like you're sitting three. I think that's fine. Like yeah. you're, you're counting it anyway. Like right. as long as you're reporting a score that is representative of what just occurred, I don't know that you need to penalize yourself that much. But I'm with you in general. Um, number two, in a sand trap, move your ball out of a footprint. Now this is something we've been doing all season because in with with COVID you can't groom the bunkers. There's no rakes, so there's been preferred lies in the bunkers all year. Um, I think in general. I, I am for this. Uh, I think it sucks if someone, especially when you're playing public golf, because no one, if people don't clean up after themselves, and you have to pay the price for that. I, yeah. I, I don't think that's you know. I, I think that's fair for you to improve your lie in a situation where it is man-made through no fault of your own. This is the corollary here, which I'm totally on board with as well. Is if your ball, if you hit a ball in the fairway that ends up in a divot. You should be able to move your ball, indeed. And so these two things go hand in hand. If again, it's no fault of your own that your ball has ended up in this man-made situation. You should take relief from that situation and play your golf shot for sure, hundred percent. All, right. All right. Number three, he says play winter rules when when, when uh, applicable. Um, he says the stickers call this lift clean and cheat, and he makes a good justification that even the pros get to play preferred lives from time to time depending yeah. on the conditions. And that's if the golf course has a sign that says play winter rules, that's what I'm doing. Right. Handicap, and if, handicapped golfers should never play a mud ball ever. No. No. 
You should always That's if, a, if there's mud on your ball, pick it up and clean it. For yes. sure. 100%. Yeah. Don't improve your lie, right? Try not to. Do your best not to improve. Don't fluff it up. Like, if you look at your ball and it's, like, dirty and you need to clean it, that's fine. But then don't, like, set it higher in the rough like an <laughs> asshole. Right. Like, do your best to give it the original uh, the original lie. All right, next is move your ball off a root. Um, first of all, yes, 100 fucking percent move your ball off a roof. I don't have unlimited budget. Like, TaylorMade isn't sending me clubs. No. So I'm 100% going to take my ball off of this root and hit it because. And, yeah, and no one's paying for your medical bills either. So, no, except you. So yes, I mean, in any situation where you might physically injure yourself, yes. as a recreational or handicap golfer, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just- I had a lie not so long ago, last toward the end of last season, um, and I hit my drive to a point where it was like very close to the rocks that surrounded the hazard. It was playable; like the ball was a few inches back from the rock, and mm. it wasn't that tough of a shot either. But there was simply no way I could strike the ball without striking the rock in my follow-through. And I'm just like, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't want to cheat. I really was like, I had a nice round going, and it was a scoring round, so I was really trying to you know, be honest and, and, and not trying to. I was being honest <laughs> and, okay. and playing every shot, playing the ball down. And so I went ahead and played it, and I destroyed my, my, my lob wedge. It just destroyed the face of my lob wedge. I tried so hard to pull, pull up short. And it just took this huge chunk you can't, out of my golf club. You can't do it. I mean, like I said, I think I'm, I'm more than willing to say take a, take relief in a case where you're going to destroy your equipment or hurt yeah. yourself. I mean, I'll just, never do it again. That's that's the lesson I learned. I yeah. destroyed a, a Vokey wedge that I loved <laughs> and are not inexpensive to replace, and uh, I will never do that again. So that's a situation where even if we were playing for money, I would I would have had you walk over and be like, "Can I pull this back six inches?" Yeah. Is it going to materially affect the, my ability to hit the shot? No. All right. Next. This one I'm not with. Treat yourself to a mulligan. No. 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 Don't hit mulligans. <laughs> no, that's just a, yes. Don't. Soft. Don't do it. Or, or do it, but that's, I mean, you've already, you've, you're not, you're not going to report this round. You're not going to, and you're not going to crow about this, this, the 78 you shot after you hit a mulligan. Forget it. <laughs> no one's having this. I do think that the only time mulligans are acceptable, again, if you're playing with buddies for money and you all screw up your tee shots <laughs> and you all take a mulligan at the same time. I think that is the one acceptable time. Uh, he does mention adjusting handicaps mid-round. And, I mean, I just think that's more complicated than you need to worry about. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I mean, you know how much I hate playing for money with handicaps because my handicap is Whoa. better. Because <laughs> I can play to my handicap, but I don't. Right. right on most rounds and right. so it sucks for me like i don't want to go out and play well like and lose holes because i'm giving speakers left and right that is or, giving speakers giving uh, uh strokes. strokes i looked at the the skype and saw the little icon pop up <laughs> that's why i said speakers sorry about that um drop on the other side of a forced carry uh to me this is just a, that's a this is a, a drop of your ability if you truly can't do it then yeah then then drop on the other side of a forced carry but if you hit it into the drink or the hazard and you have the capability without too much trouble of hitting the shot where you should drop it, that's where you should drop it. Take a, yeah, take a, yeah, take the a proper drop. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, that's not that hard, but yes, if you're playing with somebody who is not particularly good, a lot of times I will say, you know what, take it to the other side, chip it and put it and be done with it because I don't want to see you knock three balls into this, into this hazard. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I say to my 
less the guys that I play with who don't play as much and you know they're just out there to have a good time. It's like just I don't really care where you where you have hit your ball. When whenever you find it, put it somewhere you can hit it. Because right. I just want you to enjoy yourself. I don't want you to be like have some you know do some gymnastics like with your body or some contortions where you're trying to hit around a tree or something. Just grab it out here, throw it somewhere you can hit it, and hit it again. Yes. Let's keep moving. Um, his next one is move your ball out of a fairway divot, which we've covered. Uh, number nine, the leaf rule. Um, so this is 100% something that we do all the time, which is if you see your ball land and you can't find it when you get there, you get a free drop. Yes. This is the, yeah, the leaf rule is, especially right now, Yeah, is very important. <laughs> it's not any different than the embedded rule. Um, it's just the, the, the problem is you can't find it. Now, if you hit it into like some disgusting hack and you can't find it, you're taking a penalty. Yeah, there's. But yeah. if you hit it into a very normal, playable area, right? Yeah, you hit it, it into the rough, or, or you yeah, hit it or under it the plug. rough under some trees, and there's just yes. a bunch of maple leaves that have fallen there, and it's you just walk. You know that you know the you know the feeling too. You walk up, you're like, I'm never finding this ball, like ever. Yeah. And then you kick around in the leaves for a little bit, just on the off chance you find the ball, and then when you don't, you just take a free drop. No problems. No one begrudges right, just, you that. No. Just a few more here. Um, his next one, I don't know. Don't put everything out. Again, if you're playing for money, you're, you're finishing everything unless I specifically tell you that you're good. Um, we give each other putts all the time. Sure. But he also mentions, like, it, it saves time and can keep someone from snapping their putter over their knee if they happen to miss a 15-inch putt. Now, my advice would be don't play with anyone who would snap their putter over their knee. <laughs> That's true. I've missed plenty of short putts. Yeah. I would never, ever destroy my equipment about it. No. And quote, on quote-unquote scoring days, I will putt everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But every day is not scoring day. That's for sure. No, and we've also adapted to the, the social distancing rules around the cup where the pin has to stay in and there's a spacer in there. It's like if the ball was on a track to obviously go in the, the hole when that stuff wasn't the case and it rattles out, mm-hmm. I'll probably let you count that good. Yeah. It's COVID good. <laughs> it's COVID good. <laughs> uh, the next one's play ready golf, which, yes, of course. The only time I don't play ready golf is if somebody has made a birdie. Mm. Or better. Then they get honors. Otherwise, if you're ready, hit it. Let's go. Uh, don't penalize yourself if your ball move my, moves by accident when you remove debris. Now, this one is interesting because the ball is allowed to oscillate but not change position. In, in like in like Even in the tournament. Like, or, or sorry, on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really hard, especially in heavy debris, like this time of year again, to move the ball or to move like the pine cones and stuff you need to move without moving the ball. A lot of times the ball will have come to rest up against a pine cone. Right. And for my money, I just replace it. Like if it moves, I just replace it and I, and I play on. I think it's, and again, that's at the level that we play, it's completely fair. I, th- I think so. There's, I don't think, I mean, when you get into more serious tournament stuff, like yeah. if you were like if I was, you know, if if it was like the state junior tournament and my kids like screwed up and like moved their ball, they'd have to take a penalty for sure. But for you and me, nah, forget yeah. it. Um, pick up when you max out. I guess if you want to, if you want to, if you want to, if you're not playing slow, if you're not holding anybody up. Go ahead and play it out, but then of course when you when you submit your score for for handicap, you're gonna you're gonna use the you know equity equity number, not the well, not the actual number. 
Well, the thing is now with the if you do a hole by hole and you enter the actual number, it just automatically adjusts it for you anyway. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. use that system. Easy. And the last one he mentions is a weird one, which is borrow a club when you need to. Um, I don't. Well, we don't do that anymore. But <laughs> but here's but I think I get his I get it I think I get his. So here's what happens, right? Like say you were putting, mm-hmm. and you're and you're. And you lose that putt like down a hill, and it goes into the it goes back into the fairway or into some rough. Your bag is at the cart or somewhere far away. Your buddy has a wedge. You might borrow. Hey, hey, let me. Can I borrow your sand wedge and hit this next shot? Because I'm not sure. going to walk all the way back to my 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 bag for this for my wedge because that would take it too long. Right. So I get that. I get this. I mean, in that situation, it makes perfect sense to me. Okay. I don't, I mean, it just it seemed like an odd thing to include. But I don't want people touching my clubs. Not in general, no. <laughs> general, like, no, no. You cannot borrow. Even, even in a non, even in a non COVID situation, I mean, eh, no, you can't use my wedge. Sorry. You can hit my clubs when we're at the range. <laughs> That's when you can hit my clubs. Right. Yeah, there's, it would have to be a very, it would have to be a circumstance like that where it's like, okay, yeah, if you want to use my wedge, you can use my wedge. Right. Anything missing from this list for you? Anything that you think that uh, he didn't cover? I mean, not really. I think, I think we're always trying to figure out ways for people to have more fun and yeah. and play a little faster. So anything, anything in that regard, especially with casual rounds, you should just you should just do that. You should just have fun. If if you're playing with somebody who's not very good, tell them to just walk their ball. Don't play from the white tees or the blue tees where I'm playing from. Walk your ball up the fairway to 180 yards. Tee it up in the middle of the fairway on a flat spot and just play ball. And just mm-hmm. enjoy yourself. Like, there's there's too much pride that goes on in this in golf. Like, people will say, well, I have to play from these tees. You don't have to do anything. You don't want to. Really. It's true. Just, just, if you're not good at golf, just play from a place where you might be okay and play fast. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, don't don't fuck around. That's all I'm really asking. Yeah, just go. That's all. That's all. I mean, the rest of it's just etiquette. But the um, but I see this happen all too often where you see some people just hacking it up in the in the in the first tee box, and you're like, and you're behind them, and you're like, oh god. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you've never played golf. Just go walk up the fairway, walk up to the 150 marker, and put a tee in the ground and play from there. It's fine. Right. You're not going to suddenly get good. Does that's not how it works. <laughs> no. <laughs> no and you know if you're taking three shots to get to the 150 marker then it's like then, then you know you're obviously not good enough to be to be playing from the regular distance so go play from a go play from the short just turn your tur- just turn the muni into a par three course for yourself and just have fun yeah i mean that's that's what you do with beginners anyway with children you play the short courses or you 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 walk out to the middle and say, "Here's the this is what you're gonna hit from." Right, and and just because you're an adult doesn't mean you shouldn't do that for yourself. No, no. just because you're like, "Oh, I'm not a kid." Well, no, unless you know what you're doing, you know, just have fun, set yourself up for a good time. Right, not a punishing. <laughs> well, this was terrible. I hated every minute of it. Right, this. you make it brutal for yourself and everybody else who's behind you. Yes. So, so just spare us. All right, well, that's it for our regular segments, so you know what time it is. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> Dad jokes of the week. Woo! You did it. I did it again. You've, you've infected my brain. I meant to say you know what that means, and I didn't even get it out. 
I'm mad. I'm not happy with you. Well, you, you heal yourself. Fix it yourself. I should probably put together a more complete show rundown and then we wouldn't have these problems. <laughs> <laughs> How does a horse from the Kentucky Derby greet a horse from Saratoga Springs? Uh, with a, is it, It's a triple crown kind of joke. I don't know. Nope, just southern horse fatality. <laughs> southern horse fatality. Nice. What has bread on both sides and frightens easily? A chicken sandwich. A nervous bird. <laughs> How would you describe easily frightened wood? <laughs> More things are frightened now? I guess. I don't know. Petrified. Obviously. A doctor of a small village was driving in a car with his wife at 100 miles an hour. Honey, you shouldn't drive so fast, the wife said. There might be a cop around the corner and he could stop you and give you a ticket. Don't worry, darling, the doctor replied. Yesterday I told him to stay in bed. Because he's the doctor oh. in a small town. And the cop came. He's like, tomorrow you should stay in bed. I, I like this idea. I want to go to a small town just so I can drive recklessly. Yeah. Become a doctor. It's like Doc Hollywood. It's like a Doc yeah. Hollywood remake where you just... Yes. Where you just tell the cops to stay home because they're sick and then just go wilding. Like, yeah. Commit a bunch that's of crime. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Why did the horse... It's not the horse joke. <laughs> why, why did the horse eat with his mouth open? You had bad hospitality. Bad stable manners. <laughs> Singing in the shower is all fun and games until you get shampoo in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. I failed my math test because I'll stop at nothing to avoid using negative numbers. <laughs> stop at nothing. I like stop that. Stop at nothing. That's it for me this week. You already got your bonus joke earlier. Yeah. About the mix. About the mix. I have. So I have. I have two. I have two jokes that are germane to this 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 week's topics. My first one is. I'll just give you both of them because why am I saving them? The first one is. What do you call the T one hundred in retirement? An exterminator. Okay. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> again, again, I was it's accurate. Again, I was watching Dark Fate this week. <laughs> And the second, oh, here, the second one is, I had to throw out all my Danish currency. I didn't want to catch the coronavirus. It was my, 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 my extensive research on Denmark. I liked it. I forgot about the coroners. It's important. <laughs> the coronavirus. Let's go to the overtime. Overtime. All right, in the overtime, I just want to give you a little time to, uh, to talk about how you feel about having the Masters in November. Same excitement level for you? Same, I mean, do you feel like it changes anything about the field or what to expect? Like, everything's been so screwed up this year, right? Like, the NBA, you know, because you, you have, like, this internal sports clock. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, things are supposed to show up at a certain time. Like, the NBA, oh, well, finals, our, the NBA finals is is a early summer thing. The Stanley cup is an early summer thing. The, you know, the world series, I guess the world series came in on time and football. Cause they, they only played 60 games. Yeah. And then, and then again, and then football's coming in on time. So I guess, but for now, right. But that, but, that, is, but golf, that is a house of cards. But that golf, whole football golf has been kind of messed up and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're having it. I'm glad they're having the masters, but I'm not nearly as excited about, 
November Masters as I would be, you know, typical April Masters. There's just, yeah. there's just, I mean, I'm obviously I'm going to watch every minute of it, but, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the same as, it's not the same as that long buildup over winter, right? And then like it's spring, right? And Augusta just reeks of spring because they have all those colors and all the plants and, you know. And then you have all the the events that go along with it generally, which have you know, I drive chip and putt has always been really you know interesting to me and exciting to me because my kids participate in that and mm-hmm. and uh, I really like the women's amateur, the women's amateur that they played last year. I mean, I thought that added, I thought that was a nice addition to Masters mm-hmm. Week. Um, it just feels it just feels like we're doing it out of duty right now. Like it's not, it's like we, we got to have a master. So let's just put it in November. Let's just do it. It doesn't, it feels, it feels a little bit, um, I wouldn't say maybe forced is the wrong word, but it just feels like we're just kind of going through the motions a little bit. At least I feel like that. Okay. I mean, I understand. What do you think about no having, I was going to say no fans, but should I say no patrons just to be obviously, yes, <laughs> obviously you should, yeah, no patrons. I, I haven't, I haven't minded, I haven't minded golf without, without fans or slash patrons on site. It doesn't bother me at all. Cause, cause for me, the fans don't add, I mean, I'm glad people attend these events, but as a viewer from home, the fans don't add any. I mean, aside from some some cheering, the roars, whatnot, but the roars during the big moments. I think that's the one thing that misses. Yeah, missing. I don't know. I just it feels it feels to me like, but I don't miss. I haven't missed the fans all year. Personally. And we talked about that right too when we talked about um, Colin Morikawa's win, and whether or not if the crowd explodes after he hits that shot, like does is it the same to walk up there and you know nail that putt right when when the crowd the crowd is buzzing after you just hit this amazing golf shot right? Does your yeah does your adrenaline just go right yeah. through the roof? Mm-hmm. And like, are you able to sort of pull yourself together? Yeah. No, I mean that's 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 a good point. But like I said, from a, as from a home viewer standpoint, I don't I don't I haven't missed the fans. Yeah, but that was, was what I was saying earlier about seeing um, the Masters, seeing Augusta this time of year, and then no with no people on it. I think that's actually what I'm most interested in is like, what does it look like without all those people blocking those areas that I don't ever get to see because there's always people there. Yeah. Yeah, it will be especially like around Amen Corner because you've got all those, you know, those with a T at thirteen and all these, all that whole area. Like you'll see just nobody there. Like you'll you'll see the course in a different way because where people generally stand will be be open. Maybe they should erect some walls where there are normally people. <laughs> oh, shade at the LPGA. That was terrible. For those of us who don't, none of you know what we're talking about. I, like, no. I can't be. There was this hole in the LPGA uh, where it was like this very difficult approach shot where you had to hit a long three or five wood into the green. It's two, like what between two twenty and two forty for the, most of the women. The eighteen at the eighteen at the Dinosaur Course. There you go. At the West in, in where they play uh, the A and A Inspiration for the LPGA is an island green. Yes, but normally there's a grandstand there. Normally there's a grandstand behind the 18th green. Yes. And so the back of the island is never in play. Right. So they're able so usually on a most on most years you're able to just launch a launch a second ball. It's a par 5. So you can just launch a second ball, your second shot up against the grandstand and get a drop or whatever and it's fine. So this year there was no grandstand. 
So instead of leaving it as an island green as they normally should have, or normally would have, they erected a just a, a wall <laughs> where the grandstand would have been. Well, yeah, that that wall did affect the outcome of the outcome of the of the tournament, and people did get a little bit, including me. Yeah, it was got pretty a little, crappy. Got a little bent out of shape about it. Like, well, bent out of shape in a Twitter way, not in a real right. way. <laughs> well, the last thing I was going to mention is that uh, are you familiar with Fifteenth Club? Fifteenth Club, they're like a data science, golf data science. Oh no, house. Huh. Um, I discovered them recently. Anyway, so I've been following them on Twitter, and one of their um, data scientists tweeted out. Uh, I can't believe I said tweeted out. That's one of my pet peeves. Just say tweeted. There's no reason for the out. They tweeted it out. I, they don't tweet it out. They just tweet it. <laughs> I hate it. I can't believe I just said it. Anyway, he tweets uh, a, a picture of the mo- like they have a model based on how you play, and they do what's called a course fit model. So based on your game, here's where the the model thinks that you should have expected improvement um, in strokes versus what. Sorry, but how the course would give you an expected improvement based on your game. Okay. So no surprise at the top of the chart, Bryson DeChambeau, right? Gonna overpower. Augusta and, and and just hit monsters, monster shots all over the place. Okay. Um, some some usual suspects on this list that you would expect. Other long hitters. I don't think that. I mean, Jimmy Walker's on here. I don't think he's mm. back to a hundred. So I, no. I don't think that. Don't, but we have you know Rory, Cam Champ, Dustin Johnson. We've got Bubba and Tony Finau, Bruce Kupka, you know Matt Wolf, Gary Woodland. Basically, the longest all the longest hitters on the tour. Sure. Right. But then, like second from the top. Victor Perez. Who? So I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes data science can produce some outliers for us. Like, I'm just I'm giving it out as a DFS golf tip. Like you're trying to get a low cost, high return player for your golf fantasy golf this weekend. I guess I guess whoever the fuck Victor Perez is. Listen, if Victor might be Perez wins the Masters. <laughs> Keep your eyes on Victor Perez. Don't keep your eye on Victor Perez. <laughs> Leave Victor Perez off of your fantasy your fantasy this week. Wait until 11 a.m. tomorrow when you look at the leaderboard and you're like, oh, my God, Victor Perez. <laughs> <laughs> I will shit my pants. Pretty great. All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you had any other Masters thoughts you want to share with our, our listeners. I do, I do not. Just uh, just uh, sit back and uh, enjoy a pimento cheese sandwich and uh, enjoy. I will uh, not en- do that. Enjoy the golf's greatest tradition. Yeah, where they did allow blacks or women for the longest possible time. <laughs> Jesus. All right, uh, that's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three Pod, where we look outward to help you look inward. We hope you're staying safe and healthy, and if you don't already, please subscribe and or review via your favorite podcast provider. And don't be shy about sharing your thoughts and suggestions for the show. We'll be back next week with a special guest, and uh, with, I guess, primarily pop pop culture, actually all pop culture next week, with a special guest. So until then, peace. Peace.